Hi everyone, I hope you're all well and um, staying sane at this difficult time. Um, I'm delivering this safeguarding update as a podcast as I thought it would be fun to try something different and also user-friendly for you guys because you can listen to it while you're driving in your car, walking your dog, hoovering your house, um, rather than having to sit down and find specific time just to watch something that I made. Um, So any feedback would be appreciated, although probably only positive actually when I'm thinking about it. Um, But yeah, no, honestly, any feedback would be um, appreciated because this might be something that I use again going forward. Uh, Okay, so this update will focus on our current circumstances and you know covering the next couple of months um it's important that we remember that we need to safeguard all children in our care um, and that is our top priority whether they're learning from home or in school um we need to make sure that they're safe basically um i'll also talk about the impact that the pandemic may have had on some children so we can think about the support we're already offering and what we can do as and when pupils return to school um i really want you to remember that safeguarding is everyone's responsibility Um, and i think that's never been more important to remember because we're obviously not seeing all all of the children um, and a child may speak to you over the phone or may send you something on purple mash and it's really important that you remember it's your responsibility to make sure any concerns are raised with the the correct people so one of the dsls um, which just to remind you is myself mrs makepeace mrs greco and miss coates um So some of our children will have been traumatised by the events of the last few months. I think some of the adults have been traumatised as well. Um, Just by coronavirus, lockdown, it's been traumatic for a lot of people. But on top of that, some of our children will also have witnessed or experienced additional trauma. And we're going to think about that a bit as well. Um... As I go through these, please try and put yourself in the children's shoes and think about the impact these experiences would have on you if they were to happen to you. Um, Remember that as well that children who were vulnerable before all of this are likely to be more vulnerable now. Um, Yeah, so some of the things that they may have gone through bereavement unfortunately some of our children may have experienced bereavement in this time um and that will obviously have an impact on them when they return separation anxiety i think this will be huge for us um i think even children who didn't suffer with separation anxiety before may may to some degree now and those that did before well it's just going to be very difficult to get them to come into school and to and we need to support parents and children with that Uh, some of our pupils may have witnessed domestic abuse or violence while they're at home 
Um, this has obviously been exacerbated by the fact that you are now locked up with those people and have been for weeks locked up with the people who would be perpetrating the abuse or violence. And also the the stress of being all together will have increased the amount of abuse or violence happening. Um, a parent may have been made redundant or furloughed, which will obviously add financial stress to the family. A parent may work for the NHS or both parents might work for the NHS. And I can only imagine that at the peak of this, how stressful it was to see your loved one go to work in somewhere that you know is extremely dangerous. Um, a member of the family may have been seriously ill or may still be seriously ill. Um, I think we're, we really have to think about the impact as well on <coughs> people with existing, pre-existing conditions and their inability to access hospitals um, during this time and the impact that may have on their long-term health and their families. Um, some families will not have had enough food to eat at home. Uh, we've been supporting a num number of families with this. Um, but someone raised something to me the other day that I didn't even, that it didn't even occur to me. Uh, one of our families who are shielding because they have someone who's vulnerable in their home have been using the Tesco's online shop and you can only get 80 items and they're a family of five. So obviously food, there hasn't been as much food in the house for them. Um, also siblings with additional needs you know, some of our children are young carers and they may not have a hands-on caring role for their sibling or parent, but if someone in the home has significant additional needs, then that means some of the attention isn't going to the people who attend our school. So that can be an issue. Um, so currently we've got many things in place to try and support our families. We've been calling them regularly. Various members of staff have been calling. Uh, obviously, seesaw videos, online assembly, uh, regular contact with parents where we offer support and reassurance. And we want to reassure them about what return to school is looking like and trying to make them confident that school is a safe place to return to. Um, like I said, I think separation anxiety will be a massive issue for some children and for many more children than it was before. So I just wanted to give you some ideas, which are also on your staff handout, which I didn't mention. I've emailed you a staff handout. So if you refer to that, um, there's some strategies that you could use for when they return to school. So things like letting children keep a reminder of home in school to look at when they need to. I know that uh, someone in our key worker care has brought a picture of her favourite teddy to school, which I thought was a lovely idea. So she just looks at that when she's feeling a bit sad. Sorry, I'm just going to have a sip of my tea. Um... In, this is a really important one, encouraging parents to say goodbye in a positive way and to remind the children that they will so, see them soon. Uh, there's nothing harder than trying to get a child into school and the parent won't let go or the parent's quite emotional. Um, so it's about supporting both parents and children um, 
in saying goodbye in a positive way. For us, we need to be able to stay calm and reassure the children uh, and try not to get cross or frustrated, which I'm sure we wouldn't because we're very professional. Um, Another idea is to have activities set up in the classroom as like a transition instrument. So it makes it a bit easier for them to transition from coming from home into school. So something like colouring. Um, you can practice breathing techniques and mindfulness with all children. Um, if you refer to the strategies mentioned in the training that Emma and I did, the mental well-being training, um, you may find that helpful. Um, and supporting parents. I know as a parent, if my child came in upset, I would really appreciate a phone call home at some point just to say that they were okay now, which I know is difficult to do sometimes. But um, as much as I can, I'm happy to help you with phoning parents just to tell them that their child is fine. Um, So what will be some of the signs that our pupils are struggling? We're going to look specifically at anxiety, traumatic stress, grief and the witnessing of domestic abuse. Um, So we'll start with anxiety. I just want to say first off that we talk a lot about anxiety and negatively, but anxiety is actually a normal protective feeling that we have, which, you know, goes back to when we were cavemen and women and if you saw a saber-toothed tiger, you'd feel anxiety and stress as a way of protecting yourself so that you would either fight or or run away. Um, the problem is when that is the predominant feeling that people have, when they feel in an anxious state, even though there is no threat in sight. Um, so children suffering from anxiety, they might be irritable, angry, tearful or clingy. Um, and they may become out of control at times. They might be tired, uh, and this is due to difficulty sleeping, because I know if you're like me, when you're worried about something, it just seems to get worse at night. Uh, They might be waking in the night, they might be having bad dreams or wetting the bed. They may have difficulty eating. Uh, They may have lost their appetite or be eating very slowly. They may be constantly worrying or having negative thoughts. This is when it really becomes an issue, uh, which obviously will make it hard for them to concentrate or take anything in. Uh, They might be tense and fidgety. Uh, They might ask to use the toilet more often than usual. And they may have physical symptoms. I know a lot of our pupils, um, when they're anxious, they complain of tubby aches, headaches, generally feeling unwell. Um, And I think they believe that they feel unwell they don't realize that it comes from anxiety so if you just think for a minute about a child that you already work with or have in the past who has displayed some of those signs and who you think would be anxious okay the next one we're going to talk about is traumatic stress so this is where a child may have experienced a specific event that they found extremely frightening and dangerous, such as a family member being hospitalised suddenly. <coughs> and this, these experiences can trigger a traumatic 
stress reaction. So they might be unusually tired, again, from finding it hard to sleep or having bad dreams where they just keep running this event over and over in their head. They may become fearful, which I guess depends on what the event was, but they might become really clingy and anxious about being separated from their parent or from a member of staff. Um, They may seem to regress in their behaviour. They might start bedwetting, thumb-sucking or become irritable or disobedient. <clears throat> they may seem preoccupied. They might be unable to concentrate or be preoccupied with thoughts and memories of the event, which they may or may not talk about. And again, as with anxiety, they may have physical symptoms such as headaches and tummy aches. So if you just have a think about any children that you know that you've worked with before who've had um who've experienced a very traumatic event and if they display displayed any of those signs or symptoms okay so grief so following a bereavement a child might show any of the following responses so they may alternate between play and sadness. Now, I, I believe this is called puddle jumping. So it's like one minute you're out of your sadness and the next minute you're, you're right in the middle of it. And this is really common for children um, to be really up and down when they've suffered bereavement. Um, they may be tired, so they may seem exhausted or listless or find it difficult to concentrate. Again, because they may have had difficulty sleeping, where their brain just goes into overdrive at night thinking about the person that they've lost. They may have mood swings. They may become suddenly withdrawn um, or anxious and despondent. They might regress so they're, or lose some of their skills, so their academic progress may deteriorate. They may develop a speech impairment or stutter or revert back to baby talk or thumb-sucking. Anger and frustration, um, so they may, dis- may become aggressive. And a complete lack of response or denial. So some children, it's quite common, that might not present any behaviour and almost deny that anything has happened, which is obviously a concern. So if you, you can pause me here if you want, if you just have a think about a child that you know who has lost someone and think about the ways that they behaved and if you can recognise any of the signs and symptoms I've just mentioned in their behaviour. Okay, and domestic abuse. So signs that a child may have witnessed domestic abuse, and this list is not, you know, exhaustive. There are many signs that a a child may display that they've witnessed this but this is just some so aggressive behavior so they may bully be antisocial or vandalize um property um and often that can be where because they are they feel like a victim at home and like they have no control so they try and take some of that control back when they're not at home tiredness which may be due to nightmares insomnia or bedwetting or it could be due to the fact that the abusive incidents are happening in the evening where so a child cannot get to sleep. Um, mental health problems such as anxiety, depression, eating disorders or suicidal thoughts. 
Um, they may have problems at school, such as difficulty learning, tantrums or withdrawal. And this, I know with the difficulty learning, it can often be because they are in that stress response so much of the time that they just can't absorb information. It's biologically, they just cannot absorb the information. Um, and constant and regular sickness, such as colds, headaches, and mouth ulcers. And again, when your body is in a state of stress, for most of the time, your immune system is compromised, so that can obviously have an impact on your health. Okay, so I've got some scenarios. Um, So I'd like you to decide, after I've read these, if this is a safeguarding concern, And if so, which specific issue the child could be affected by? So is it anxiety, traumatic stress, grief, or witnessing domestic abuse? Um, So we've got Sophie. Sophie asks if she can wash her hands several times an hour, and she's often unable to take part in activities while she's done this. Until she's done this, sorry. While she's waiting to wash her hands, she often becomes short of breath, looks flushed and says, I feel dizzy. Since returning to school, Sophie has found it difficult to talk to her friends, whereas before she was chatty and confident. Okay, if you want to pause me here and just have a think about that, I, these will also be included on your staff handout so, um, so you can have a read through and think about um, what you think. Is it a safeguarding concern and which issues could the child be affected by? Okay, the next is Jack. So you've noticed that Jack has been falling asleep at his desk around mid-morning. He's been complaining of headaches and tummy aches and doesn't seem able to concentrate on his work. He often doesn't want his dad to leave in the morning and always asks if he can stay inside with his teacher at lunchtime to help with jobs in the classroom. So again, if you want to pause me here, just have a think about that whether it's a safeguarding concern and what issues the child could be affected by. Next, we have Ali. Ali used to be the best in the class at spelling. Since returning to school, his spelling and handwriting seem to have gone backwards by a few years. You've noticed his behaviour at break time is erratic. He's playing football happily one moment and then becoming withdrawn and sulky the next. You've also spotted him sucking his thumb when he thinks nobody is looking. Pause me here and have a think. (coughs) Yasmin. Yasmin used to be very well behaved, but since returning to school, she's been aggressive and bullying towards other children and verbally abusive towards staff. She's often yawning and when... You asked her if she's tired. She says, I couldn't sleep all night. I can never get to sleep. Again, pause me here and have a think. Now, if you can email me your answers for each of those, um, that would be fantastic. Okay? So... For some of these issues, you can use some of the strategies mentioned in Emma and I's mental health training. I'm just going to go through some of them. So the 7-11 breathing, 
which is breathing in for seven through your nose is, is preferable and out for 11. So you blow your worries away. It doesn't really matter if you breathe in, how, how much you count to, as long as the breath out is longer than the breath in, because that's more relaxing. Another strategy is to clench and unclench either your whole body, or you can do it in parts of your body, so just like your fist um, or your legs. Clench it, hold it for a while, and then very, very slowly unclench. Noticing five things. So sitting with your feet on the floor, noticing what you can see, what you can feel, what you can taste, what you can smell, and what you can hear. This is very good at bringing you back to the moment and, not, and stopping your mind racing. Giving them a sense of control. So when they are in a stressful <coughs> state of mind, giving them options. You can do this or this. Obviously not too many options. But if you say you can choose to do this or this, that can sometimes help them calm down. Developing friendships, obviously, for all children, having a support group of friends around them is a massive help and increases their resilience. And then zones and regulation and ELSA. They are two other things that we can think about for children who are struggling. Now, what to do if you have a concern? What you do depends on what the concern is, to be honest. I mean, ask yourself, am I happy for this child to go home at the end of the day? Or for this issue to carry on to another day? <coughs> if the answer is no, or it, or it would concern you greatly for the child to go on or for the issue to carry on to another day, you must speak to one of the DSLs immediately or as soon as, as you can. Um, because a lot of the processes that need to happen for social care to get involved can take hours. So the earlier you pass this information to a DSL, the better. If you do have a concern about a child who's not attending school, but it's a low-level concern, you can log it on, on CPOMS. If the concern's more serious, you need to phone one of the DSLs. If you can't get hold of any of us, contact a member of SLT and then log it on CPOMS, okay? So if it's a serious concern, you need to speak to someone straight away. If it's a lower-level concern, log it on CPOMS. If you're not sure, speak to somebody, okay? Just always err on the side of caution. If you do have a low-level concern, like, um, say, a child has said they play an uh, inappropriate computer game or something like that, or has continually not had the right equipment for school. Think about whether, first, you could deal with the situation yourself by calling home um, to see if the parent is aware of the issue and can rectify it straight away. If you feel uncomfortable to deal with it yourself or unsure about doing it, you can log the incident on CPOMS and a DSL will deal with it. Obviously, when we get a lot of concerns logged, like inadequate lunch, it can take me quite a while to get back to people. So, uh, so in the first instance, do think, can I deal with this myself? If you're unsure, always come and talk to us.
If you, if you don't pass information verbally to a DSL, you must still log all concerns on CPOMs yourself. Sometimes we need to provide our logs as evidence, so it's important that you write that what you write is accurate. You can include your opinion on there, as I've said before, but make sure you're clear that it's only your opinion. Um, yeah. So if a pupil does disclose to you, it's important to remember to listen to the child carefully. Giving them your full attention at this point is crucial because the child may not ever repeat this information again. And if they've chosen you, you know, you need to take that seriously. Don't ever promise to keep information to yourself. You can explain that what they say is confidential, as in you're not going to tell everyone, but you will need to share anything that makes you concerned for their or someone else's safety. Um, react to any information shared in a calm way. Don't act shocked or appalled as this could scare the child um, and may make them just shut down completely. Uh, tell the child what the st next steps will be so they feel like they've got an element of control with this. Um, so, for example, I'm going to speak to Miss Gore about this as it's really important to me that you're safe and then I'm going to return you to class but I will be back later to tell you what's happening. So that kind of thing. Disclosures are likely to increase where, as children come back to school and I really want you to feel equipped to deal with them. If anyone needs extra training on this, please come and see me because I'm happy to, to, um, to have a chat with you about that. Um, okay, so the, a summary of the main points that we've discussed. Like we said, the children will be returned to school affected by a spectrum of issues. One of the big ones, I think, will be separation anxiety. Uh, most children will adapt and settle back into school, but others will need more support. Be alert to the signs of potential anxiety, traumatic stress, grief, and being witness to domestic abuse. And if you spot these signs, report your concerns to myself, Mrs Makepeace, Mrs Greco, and Miss Coates. Support, we need to support children to talk about their experiences of feelings. I think it's really important that we recognise that we've all been through something significant and, and it's okay to talk about how that may have affected us. And then um, also be aware that safeguarding disclosures are, li are likely to increase and just follow the normal school procedures. If you have any questions about any of this, please just come and have a chat with me or give me a call. I'm more than happy to discuss it with all of you. So that's it. That's our first podcast, our first training podcast. I apologise for all the water drinking in it, but my mouth has got very dry. I don't know how you teachers do it. Um, email me your answers to the scenarios and look after yourselves. And I hopefully see you all soon. Thank you. Bye.